Welcome to episode 188 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to episode 188 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good, and you? I'm, I'm really good, actually. That's good. Why are you so good? Uh, I've been on daddy duty all morning, oh, looking yeah. after my lovely daughter. Yeah, uh, where was Thomas? Thomas was at his grandma's place. He's been a bit quiet today, he's quite calm. No, no. Well, I haven't, been, the daughter? haven't been riding. Uh, neither, actually. No. It's okay. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com Get on there, man, because people are just loving the coffee right now. You're not so emo about it. Yep. Uh, Tribeyes.com Get on there for the deals. If you're in America, get on it for Christmas. It's probably too late for New Zealand now. It probably is. Yeah, but still, you can still get deals. And Athlinks.com Social networking for endurance <clears throat> athletes for all your results in <clears throat> tracking and social needs. You're going to die there, I'm good, right? right? I'm good to read a roll. You've had a haircut. <laughs> had a haircut. I've gone yeah. military style, haven't I? Yeah, no mully in, no mully in the room today. Oh, in there. And this yeah. week's show, we've got a bit of news, bugger all news to be honest. At the start of the show, we had nothing. when I did the notes, we had nothing. But you kind of come through for a couple of little bits here. We've got a quick high five, and we're going to do a coach's, no, not a coach's corner, an age gripper of the week, and then we've got an interview. Do you want to tell us about that one, John? Yes. And I might, I would, would actually like to do my history of sport. I've got a little bit of history in there. Yeah, I'm thinking well. it might be too long. I might have to wait. <clears throat> it was a bit of a, a no, we're, we're putting it in there. Okay. Big time. <laughs> Uh, the interview I have not heard yet. The interview is on a, one of the guys who did uh, Decaman that Bevan yep. did this morning when Peter, I was on Peter Daddy, so. was on, on Daddy Care. So bugger doing that race. Soon. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, I'll listen and oh, see what you've got to say. Respect. Okay, first of all, news is brought to you by xtry.com. Go check out their latest reviews and interviews with the stars and just stuff about triathlon. And you reckon there's a pretty good article about Mary Beth Ellis on there? It's by Mary Beth Ellis, who's oh. one of the US uh, short course athletes. Good, good little read there just going on about often you know athletes uh, going oh yeah, poor me I, I got a puncher and always sort of trying to feel, feel sorry for themselves and making excuses and she's just got a pretty hardcore and she's just old good. school is she well it's good you know one of the, one of the things she did she uh, she had a, a bike crash in New Zealand actually at one of the world cup races yep. and um, and she was sort of feeling sorry for herself it was just before the American trials and her coach said well it wouldn't have happened. You should have, you should have been in the first bunch anyway. So oh, really? <laughs> if you'd been in the first bunch, you would have been fine. If you'd raced properly, it's like punishment. <laughs> so uh, it's got some good little things there. I quite liked it. Well, in the, in the, in the world of Ironman triathlon, we had a half-distance race this weekend. We don't have many, many halves nowadays, do you? There's not a lot of half Ironman distances no. because you've probably... I don't know if WTC cracked down on people with when they use the word Iron, half Iron Man or not. Um, well, it's interesting that they're still calling it. This. Their website's half Iron Man. Well, right? they wouldn't be allowed to call it 70.3. I can guarantee that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about where the word using half Iron Man. But anyway, it's a Taupo half Iron Man. They use a very, very similar course to what they do at Iron Man New Zealand. And Duncan Milne, who took out the Tauranga yeah. half Iron Man, which is New Zealand's biggest race. Took out Cam, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Uh, won that in 4.09 and he beat Brody Madrick and he was the guy who managed to smoke me on the run and drop me back to third place at national short course champs last year he came home in second and Blair Jordan who's another good short course athlete came home in third in 4.18 so that's a um, you know for New Zealand that's a pretty competitive field is it? yep ok what about the Kiosa things let's have a look at this 
Girls side of things, Melissa Holt, she's a former pro cyclist, uh, took out the women's race pretty convincingly at 4.37 from Jessica Lawson and listener of the show, Ali Hollington. I didn't realise Ali was that fast. Yeah, third place, 5.01. I knew you were good, Ali, but I didn't realise you were that sharp. Good work. Very nice. Oh, I love your work. Third place podium. Yeah, and, and I guess no, we'll be doing a show next week so we can talk about Challenge Monica next week. Yeah, we can talk about Challenge Monica next week because we're doing one more show for the year. Okay, first of all, uh, sports awards. So, what's this about, John? Well, I was looking on a few of the few of the websites because there was very little news about. And uh, Dirk Bockel, apparently, he was uh, nominated for the Belgium Sports Awards. He gave top ten in Kona. Also got th- was it third at Ironman New Zealand? I think it was third behind yep. Brownie and uh, um, t- um, uh, Terenzo. Yep. Um, put in a good strong performance there and uh, had a number of other good results as well um, but he got taken down by the Schleck brothers Andy Schleck and Frank Schleck who are the Tour de France riders okay fair enough and what was also interesting though in the UK and I looked at this on uh, I think it was a Daily Telegraph website um, Alistair Brownlee who just dominated the world this year yep. won every race every world championship series race that he did uh, didn't even get nominated and they were saying that, yeah, that was a bit of a travesty because uh, it was more of a it seemed to be more of a popularity contest than actual sports achievement oh, contest. Really, that's interesting because I, I heard that they actually mentioned his and Chrissy's name in the awards in a poem. Oh, okay. some kind of stupid poem <clears throat> that they have about you know. But he's incredible, yeah. And he was. It did say in the article he was supposed to run the European Cross Country Champs last weekend. I didn't find his name in results, but to give you guys a, an idea of the sort of speeds our runner, top runners are versus cross country runners, his brother Alistair Brownlee, who was just missed out on winning the World Under Twenty Three title this year, but he did have a, he did finish, I think, in the top ten at the London World World championship series race he only managed 43rd out of 75 in the under 23s he is still only under 19 so it's still a pretty good performance but yeah. that's the difference between some of our top young runners he ran close to 15 minutes flat for five oh, wait a second so under 23s in this race this isn't triathlon you're talking about here yeah the cross country Shit, so, and you've got, you got not even half of the top half of the field yeah so wow. but, but still cross country is pretty close he was only a minute 20 down or so but still uh, that's that's where we're out runners you know someone like um Brownlee, the older Brownlee, whose name is uh, Alistair? Alistair Brownlee, his... Um, oh, no. It must be the younger one. Oh, bloody... I'm conf- I've confused myself yeah, now. You know, I don't know. I to you, mate. Don't don't look at me. Alistair... I've, I've I just call him the young guy. Now I've forgotten the, forgotten oh, the younger John. one. So Jonathan Brownlee's the younger one. Alistair's oh. the, uh, the older one. So, um, you know, it'd be really be interesting to see how he, he does rate in some um, open running races. Okay, nice. We've got, we've got a bit of gossip now. It's not really news, John. It's gossip. Some of this gossip has turned into facts because I've checked oh, my facts. Okay, well, the first one, John, is that read the 70.3 in Phuket. John mentioned that it's sad that it would be replacing the old Phuket race, but it's not the case. They're going to be running them both one week apart. We're just going to kill the races. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's get serious. I mean, um, if, you go, if you're going to go to a big, well-organised 70.3 race, and, and the thing with the Phuket, it almost is 70.3 distance anyway. It's, oh, it's like it? a one8 I think it's a 55k, maybe 55, 60k bike, and then about 12k run. Yeah. I don't see how you can have the two races in one week at the same venue. Um, so it's a bit of a shame. I'd say they should just knock the old Phuket race on the head and go knock with it on the head. Go with the 70.3. Okay. Also, and just teams- keep keep all those results famed uh, framed in history, though. <laughs> don't let them get lost. I'm sure. I'm sure with this show, they will never be forgotten, John. Right. Uh, also, uh, teams at W. 
um, a Ironman. I did a team this year and was told that WT, uh, WTC are using them as a trial for Ironman races around the world. So it'll be interesting to see if they do more team racing. So if you have sellout races, to say 2,500 people racing, whether they're going to insert more teams in there. Kind of can't great, see it happening. Uh, great concept for, for making more money. Um, but, but it's going to make it a weekend of racing. Yeah, it's going to make the course too congested unless yeah. it is a single solo out and back, and then you can easily do it. You know, somewhere like Canada, I don't see any reason why you couldn't do it. You know, you give them a, an hour and a half head start, yep. and um, away I'm they sure go afterwards, and there wouldn't be too much congestion out there. But uh, yeah, team racing on multi lap courses uh, is, is is very very difficult. Uh, this is the person who sent through the email anonymous. Mm-hmm. Who say? Uh, I'm in Western Australia. They basically had no drafting, and they were saying that they had ten motorbikes within the first 450 athletes, you know, mm-hmm. of 13 plus 100 racing, and they basically busted everyone in the first 50 k's, and that kind of sent the message through the rest of the field not to draft because it's an out and back. Well, I'm pretty sure it's an out and back. That's the thing. You, if you're riding back and you see the pack, if you see um, big packs coming back the other way, I think your motivation probably is to you, you don't feel so guilty maybe about drafting. If you see people coming back one by ones, um, then I guess you know you, you will feel like more of a cheat when yeah. you're sitting in that pack. Yeah. I think still though with Western Australia because that, you know when you've got that sort of 1300, 1400 number, it's a good number. It's, it's a good doable. number. When you start getting over 2000, uh, I think it becomes increasingly difficult to, to police that unless you do wave starts. An official WTC have signed a contract with Port Macquarie to run the race for another five years. Well, I saw on uh, Ironman.com this morning that they have signed with WA to extend that through 2014. That's so Bustleton. That's Bustleton. Yep, so well, that's I'm, official I'm, here. Yeah, so I'm yep. picking they'll probably do the same with Port Macquarie. Well, that's pretty much news of this week. You got any news? That was interesting because um, there were rumours going around that they were going to drop um, Western Australia because it does not fill. Um, but yeah. well, why isn't it? Because it's a big sport in Australia. Yeah, but Perth is like middle of nowhere. The yeah, other, other yeah. side of the bloody planet. It's, it's like, like it's taking here, international. International travel, um, and it's at the end of it. Uh, it's the start of the Australian season, yep. so you got to build up during winter, and it's the end of the Northern Hemisphere season. So timing is is not ideal. John's putting out his notes. Got my notes here. Got like fifty. How many? How much more paper can you fit in your pockets, mate? <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Last we go. week's uh, topic, Bevan. Okay, so the topic was you're at a party. And you're trying to pick someone up across the room. Someone asks you, should I do an Ironman? What's one? Just give me some tips. And you go, I'm only giving you one because I want to hit on that hot chip person over there. Chick or guy, depending on your own sex or what you like to play. <laughs> and what would you come up with, John? Fegan. To explain in detail what the time... Wait, see, what's his nickname? Uh, Mr. Consistency. Uh, Deliverer, isn't it? Uh, to explain in detail what the time commitment involved in the training means... To your partner and get their permission. Explain that whilst you may only train 10 hours per week to start with, that very soon at the weekends you'll be written off with training and more importantly recovering from training. Then get the permission slip signed, photocopied and locked away to be brought out when you, um, when you propose a mini epic camp style long weekend away with a bunch of mates leaving your other half and the kids at home. The rest is a piece of piss. Good old pinches. Not the nicest person. Start for an easy one such as Lanzarote. Mm, nice. <laughs> Pinch and put them off for a life. One less person to beat me. Nice. I did like that. Uh, Matt Walpole. Um, be prepared to commit to a serious lifestyle change. To train for an Ironman that requires more than just time in the water, the bike, and on your trainers. It's everything that underpins what to do and the choices you make from day-to-day basis. I.e. the usual eight pints and um, curry Friday night. Perhaps not anymore as a potential Ironman, or at least not so often. 
Not something you should fear, but instead be keen to embrace. Tadpole. Okay, good old Jay Watered sayings. I'm assuming that this person is going to be a first-timer, otherwise they'll be telling me what to do. My one tip would be to make a plan for what you will do in the weeks and months after the big day, including the next race. Then, of course, listen to I Am Talk. Nice. Peter, Daddy Death, Tinhold. Did we give him another nickname as well? What did we need? Oh, Daddy Death? Oh, I did not like Daddy Death, scared, did he? Kids were scared of us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't think we did. Okay. We probably did, but we've forgotten it yep. to Peter, so you're Daddy Death. <laughs> <laughs> Go and have a chat with an Iron Man who is happy, still married, oh, and in like a relationship. Giver. It was something like the giver, because he... Gives a lot. Right, okay. Yeah. Daddy Anyway, go and have a chat with an Iron Man who is still happy, still married, <laughs> in a relationship, talks to his or her kids, and has not got fired or lost their jobs. Does that exist? <laughs> Belinda was looking at this going, that's a good one. Uh, ask, ask them how they've done it. Balance communication and understanding the odd bit of bribery is the key. Mm. Good old Craig Brighthouse. I'm sorry, I can't comprehend the question. Are you busy too too busy to talk to a future Iron Man? Back it up. This is an opportunity not to be missed. Forget the blonde. Oh, I don't know about that in the cute party dress. Well, see, I was. Uh, I, didn't was care about Iron Man. I didn't care about Iron Man back in those days. Let her go just with your mate. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. So, uh, that new nebby down there where you can't escape, where you can't escape and tell them everything you know about your endurance sports for the next few hours. Remember, sex is temporary, discussing Iron Man lives forever. Oh, <laughs> Hold on, it could be better. It might be the cute blonde who has asked you the question. This could be love. Right. Uh, John, what would you tell them? I think uh, Daddy Death is. Oh, I think the sum- a summary of the three that I read out were pretty good. I uh, just got to explain that it's more than just the training. It's a bit of a lifestyle shift, and yeah, it does depend on a lot of person's life, but doesn't it? Because you've got a lot of people who are just single and got a lot of spare time, and yeah, those people I'd say go for it, go for gold, what, no problem. What, what at tip all. would you give them then? I would say uh, train hard, train smart, <laughs> get hard. That's got cheese all over it. Uh, so for those people, I'd just say, you know, oh, since well, a lot of people actually at the top said, okay, wait, uh, pop, top, wait, at the top, a lot of people said getting a coach would be would be critical. Yep. And I'd say, you know, three year plan, three year plan. John I like Houston. that. Uh, you just need to have a have a, have a plan, and if that means either using the internet to get a plan together where you get some sensible information uh, or to get a coach. Um, but if I was going to say one thing, I would say, and this is assuming they're not married with kids and have more than five hours to train a week, yep. I would say take your recovery as seriously as your training. Oh, that's pretty deep, mate. There you go. Mine would be find groups of people who are doing the thing you want to do mm-hmm. and then surround yourself with them. Mm-hmm. But not exclusively. Well, no, not exclusively, but... Mm. Well, for, for training yeah for training mm. but your social life does suffer when you do Iron Man doesn't it it does yeah that's why I was real lonely when I go. <laughs> <laughs> okay well this week I've kind of I've upgraded your one have I have you yep. okay that's fine so we, John came along with I think he got it from James Botel best of the year wait a second that was my no, best of the decade wasn't it best of the decade what, yeah best of the decade for 2000 to 2010 there's good old Andrew Winter doing my press up challenge Okay, nice. Check out the website this week. I did my press-up challenge. So how many press-ups can you do in an hour? How many do you reckon you could do? Full press-ups. In an hour? Yeah, in an hour. You can stop as much as you want. I reckon I'd go for a strategy of doing like 10 to 15 per minute. Yep. So wait a second. 10. So, so we'll say 15. So say, six, say, say 600. 15? Really? 
Oh, well, it'd be 600 to 900. I don't think I'd get my... I think my arms would blow out before then. I did 1,042 minutes once. Yeah, see, that's... Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, that's hardcore. <laughs> my, my upper body strength is, 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 is not something to be proud of. Well, check of. out the website this week, because I've got old Andrew Winters doing them, and he got, a, he got 800 plus. Crikey. He started off with a strategy of 20 plus, yeah. and, he, and early on he was doing a few 30s, he was getting, you know, I'm going to yeah. gain this. And then by the end, I think he's struggling to do 10 out at a time. He got down to 10 a minute. Mm-hmm. And you can, as you can tell, his technique was starting to struggle. Yeah. But he did the meal. I was pretty impressed. That's, that's but he wrote, he wrote an email the next day saying he's never been so sore after one hour's exercise. Because <laughs> it's one of the hardest things you do because you use your whole oh, body. Totally. Yeah. So, anywho. Um, what is this week's um, topic? Okay. Again? So, best of the decade. We've got the best race or your favorite race of the decade. Favorite athlete of the decade. Well, we can, that could be favorite athlete or best athlete. Yeah, it can be either or. It's like best. I'm, I'll, I'll go for best. Okay, we'll say favourite and best. Because your favourite may not have been the best athlete. Okay. Like you may have loved Macca. That's true. But then yep. you could argue Peter Reid is the best. Okay. Okay. Most honourable Ironman, or most memorable Ironman moment of the last decade. Are there okay. many significant ones? Oh. I suppose next week we'll know. Yeah, we'll find out. Best Iron Talk moment of the decade. We haven't really been going a full decade. Well, we've been around this decade. Yeah, we have. It's yeah, true. Yeah, it'll be nearly four years, isn't yes, it? Yes. Jeepers, creepers. And uh, hope for the new decade. Crikey, people are going to be on there all day. <laughs> love it. As links will love it. <laughs> <laughs> Click on an ad while you're there. See, Netflix has made some money for them. Okay. Um, so that's this week's discussion, news, and everything else. Well, I'm, I, okay, music. I'm going to put the history history in now because I want the history and then high five. I was this is good history team. You should be pretty excited. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be new to everyone, isn't it? It was new to me. I only found out on flipping Thursday. How'd you find out? I'll discuss it. Oh, after after oh, after John's history lesson and on the news tonight we have John Newsom with the latest review on triathlon we've been duped we've been duped those damn Americans and Arda Tri has been lying to us <laughs> those damn Americans have been duping us all uh, these years since we've been involved in triathlon it started when I was, started watching Family Ties yeah. and that was the duping as well Right, righty here we go well wait a second John so I thought triathlon started in 1974 in Mission Bay so did most people and because that was when they first had a local race mm-hmm. and good times good times and that's what all the marketing material tells and us John Collins was there wasn't he I don't know if he was there was yes he? I seem to recall because someone else sent through another history piece Yeah, and I, I read it because okay. I do my piece and he said that, that John Collins was at that original race and it's almost gave him what gave him the idea for okay. doing the Ironman I'm going to have to cuddle over here because I can actually okay, see what I type wait a second so on last do week I, do you want to make it bigger for you yes please Okay. Uh, last week I had a no, no, that's okay. Uh, last week we had a junior triathlon camp, which is sort of our junior elites in, in the Christchurch region that I was putting on. And Any I got good ones? Sorry? Any good uh, yeah, we've got a few New Zealand, a couple of New Zealand reps in there. And How a does Christchurch go overall? Uh, well, they're going to be going to kick ass now. Of course, got them, got them all under control. Houston's got them three year plan. We've got a few guys are going to be. Uh, we 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 coming from stealth. All the North Islanders think they've got everything under control, and we we just come in uh, stealth. But, but, and we, smoke the, we probably shouldn't be saying this on the show. No, <laughs> I won't mention any names. But okay. anyway, um. I got uh, Scott came in one day. Scott Molina. He talked a bit about the history of the sport. Oh, did he? Um, and he, I'll tell you what, he was pretty fast in his day. Like before he even started triathlon, and he was um, sixteen. He was saying some of the times. I think he said he swam sixteen. I think it was about sixteen twenty for fifteen hundred meters when he was sixteen. That's fast. And he said, in his, "What is he swimming now?" 
Sorry? Were they swimming oh, they're now? not swimming that fast. I mean, that's a proper good swim yeah. time. Um, like the world record is under 15 minutes, but that would be a, a nationally you know, competitive yeah. swimmer. And he said in his swim squad he was only like 20th ranked swimmer in, yeah. the, in, the, distance, in the distance lanes, not even I in love, the fast lanes. Honestly, if you were, honestly, Epic Camp, bugger the training, just go on Epic Camp so you can hang out with Scott telling <laughs> stories, eh? Hey? Honestly, that, that's one of the highlights of Epic Camp to me is when Scott gets out, we go down to the pub, get a few beers <laughs> out, and he starts talking the old triathlon stories, eh? Hey? Because he just knows his stuff, eh? Hey? We don't need the pub this year. We've got Stein Lager Edger, beer sponsoring us. How's he going to be a sponsor? Yeah, so beer's got some sit, sit around. But anyway, and he was also saying about his 5K, he used, he, I think he ran 14, oh, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was, it was like, was it maybe 14.20 for 5K when he was 16? Wow. It was something, it was 14 something. So when he discovered triathlon, he thought the sport's made for me. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, I also got John Helmers to come in and he did a bit of um, history on triathlon as well. And he was sort of saying when the first triathlon was, and I was thinking, oh, here we go, Mission Bay. Yeah, you already put your hand up to, oh, yeah, well, actually. Does anybody know when the first triathlon was? <laughs> yes, sir, I do. I'm not smart ass at that. Stand up, chest up. But it's a have. It's a have, John. And I mean, went on to uh, Wikipedia. And, oh, good uh, on Wiki, that's never and, wrong. And that's never wrong. <laughs> but apparently, this is the story of the first triathlon. In 1920, the French newspaper Lotto reported on a competi- competition called Le Trois Sports, Le which Trois. is a three-kilometer run, a 12-kilometer bike, and a swim across the channel. And they got in the right, oh, they're a different order. But I'm pretty sure that the, the, the Mission Bay Triathlon right order, yeah. was, was not the right order either. Yeah. Well, the current order. Yep. Those three parts were done without any break. Another event was held in 1921 in Marseille, with the order of events being uh, run, uh, bike, run, swim. Among the participants was American athlete Charles Sector. There are also articles in French newspapers about a race in Marseille in 1927, and there, and there is a th- 1934 article about Le Trois Sports, uh, the three sports in the city of La Rochelle. And the race went with a channel crossing. French. I can speak French, that's yeah. why. Okay. Um, a bike competition, uh, a, a channel crossing of 200 metres, a bike competition of 10 kilometres, and around the harbour of La Rochelle, uh, of the run. park uh, of a 1,200 metre run in the stadium La Andre Barbeau. So I wonder what happened. I wonder why I didn't take on. I probably just carried on from there. I mean, that's just the ones that have been documented, but I guess it was just all really, really low key. I guess the war kicked How in. Is it Le Tross? Le Trois Sports. Le Trois Talk. Sorry? Le Trois Talk. We, we will be Le Trois. Le Trois. Le Trois. Le Trois. Uh, Parle. Le Trois Parle. Parle is a verb to. Oh, you're good. You're good, mate. You're good. You're good. To speak, not to talk. But anyway. So. And does that, it have anything else after that, or did it, did it pretty much it? Then, then it started going on to the more modern history. So yeah. that, that is the, the ancient history. I guess the modern history. The ancient history. Started from 1974 onwards, but. I think it should be recognised yep. that... Uh, they need to change those T-shirts, don't yep, they? they need to go... Um, where was the first one? They just need maybe La Trois Sports. La Trois Sports. Or, you know, the Channel Main or Marseille 1921 yeah. or whatever. But, uh, yes. They've been deceived. I wonder why I didn't really become a sport at that time, you know, a bigger sport. Well, you would have been biking on pretty... Um, Pretty uh, old things, I would have thought. Yeah, the cycle sport was happening then, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I'm just curious because it's obviously getting some media at the time. Yeah, but not enough to actually. Uh, who knows how many people were ahead in the race as well? But nice work there, John. Thank you. Nice work. Nice historical work. Yes.
Okay, one, two, three, four, high five. And this week's high five is sent through from a man called Gordo Byrne. Uh, some may know of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultraman. I'm Ultraman Hawaiian champ and founder of Endurance Corner. Uh, he's got his, last week we had tips on how to avoid saddle sores. Yes, and he's taken it to the next level. Damage control, which could be happening on Epic Cam. I reckon it probably will, John. I think it probably yeah. will as well. You need some new pants. Well, everybody's got a little tub of chamois cream, and everybody's got a little tub of I think a two percent hydrocortisone cream to put on. If, 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 if no, but that's the problem. When I used that, it made it worse. If you don't use it before, you use that um, after the ride. Well, nobody told me. That. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why I was burning. That's uh, that's a um, oh, that's a recovery cream. <sighs> Damage control when it all goes wrong and you still need to ride your bike. Okay, I'll go with one. Dab tea tree oil on the area each night. Yes, and this has been endorsed by several people. Tea tree oil is is, is very good. Healer. Yes, have you done it yourself? I have not. But I, I can I... imagine the initial putting on is not going to be a nice experience. Sure, I've never used tea tree oil, but I will be going and purchasing a bottle in the next 10 oh, days. Really? <laughs> Is it 10 days in your start? Well, 10 days until I sort of head up. No, it's maybe a little bit more than that, but I'm, I'm away. What day does the Epic Camp start? January the 3rd. Oh, yeah, it's not that long away. It's two no, weeks. Two weeks. Well, I'm up in, up in Kai Territory. No, week. One, one week, two weeks, three weeks. Nearly three weeks. And three weeks. Oh, man, you're going to be suffer fest. Okay. Number two, change something. Figure out a way so the pressure points change. New saddle, new saddle position, new shorts. Can you do that? Would you do that? Uh, I think you could do the new shorts. You certainly do new shorts. Um, saddle position and stuff. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you know, what I'm going to be doing is uh, I'm going to have a bike. Well, I'm not if I'm going to say this, but I'll be making a, a discreet change at some stage during the camp. Yeah, but is that a little bit unfair, John? No. John's going to make Life's a bike change. Fair. He's going to make a bike change. When he comes into Christchurch, you're going to TT, aren't you? I'm TT, and it's just in the <laughs> But yeah, I think some 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 changes. Um, if you you know if you're desperate to keep riding, you know, in an epic camp example, then yeah, some some discreet changes. Okay, the big question I have, John, is maybe the bike change won't be a good thing because your body will be used to riding conditioned. We'll, we'll see how I'm going. Mm, okay, number three, keep the effective area as dry as possible and. Offer it lots of air. So basically, don't put a pair of underwear on. That's true. Just box it, let it all hang out. Let it hang out. But yeah. make sure if you're all sitting on the ground eating dinner together, you don't cross your legs. Because yeah. nothing worse than something poking no, out. It it's is, just, it's is, offensive, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you don't want it. Never, ever pee in your shorts when training on multi-day or multi-day racing. The mm-hmm. pH of urine makes your skin much more likely to chafe. There you go. Oh, really? Mm. I suppose, yeah, if you're just training. But racing's a bit different, isn't it? Well, if you pee in your pants and uh, an epic camp, you'll be pissing off a few people behind you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and you will be more likely to chafe. Well, there you go. Okay, while training, use a tr- uh, topical anesthetic. Analgesic? Analgesic. Using big, water, using big words on us here. We're not, we're not good <laughs> with big words. If you listen to the show, uh, <laughs> we're not training. I recommend ear dryness and tea tree oil. So basically, antibacterial um, properties, something with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got nice, a six, Sean? Nice summary. Uh, got a six. Uh, let, me, let me think. I think just mainly get yourself clean. I think that was on last week, maybe as a preventative one, just... Maybe shower straight afterwards. Yeah, clean yeah, up straight after. Yeah, get in the shower straight afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there we go. Okay, beautiful week. Okay, what are we going to put We'll do age group of the week. Let's put some music on. Age group of the week. Dear, hey, John and Bevan, 
I nominate my dad, Scott Boyles, for Age Grouper of the Week. He had a stellar 2009 season, dominating the dojo in the cutthroat, oh, I like that cutthroat, 40-44 to 44 age group in almost every race he entered. Uh, this earned him the number one spot in the largest triathlon series in the US, the NCTS. That's obviously a, a, like a number of races. Yep. All of the success was just a warm-up, though. He capped off the 2009 fantastic race at the Beach to Battleship Iron Distance event. Scott clocked a 9.53 PB in his second ever Iron Distance race, placing second in his age group and 14th overall. His marathon split on this challenging run course was a 3.29. Never one to rest on his laurels, Scott is already looking forward to his next challenge, a sub-three standalone marathon. Thanks, guys. Mason Boyles. That's pretty cool, eh? He looks up to his dad like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder if Thomas is going to have that opportunity to go... (laughs) You, no, I won't be racing Iron Man's then. We'll see. I don't know. Do you reckon you'll be racing 20 years from now? We'll be racing some sort of endurance sports. I yeah. would think triathlon, but who knows. Would you want to do like the four-day adventure race? No. No, you wouldn't? No. Are you interested in the sleep deprivation? No. Not at all? Not at all. Oh, that does interest me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Will you, will you be doing tri- triathlon in 20 years' time? I don't know if I'll be doing I'm kind of, this triathlon thinks I'm losing interest in it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wouldn't. I know no, the idea of doing the non-stop, you know, five days, just to see where you go mentally would be kind of stimulating to me. But it's cool, you know, Scott. You know, you know, like I don't know how Mason is, but when you have, you know, Scott's only between 40, 40 and 44, 44, so he can't be. You know, when you're forty to forty-four, your daughter probably be having uh, kids, won't she? Well, you know, technically, because my family have kids young. Yeah. So my mum was sixteen, I was nineteen, but my sister was only seventeen. I could be a grandfather in three years, John. Nice. That's a bit scary. Mm-hmm. Grandpa, that would be a new nickname for you. Grandpa. Um, But it's pretty wicked that, you know, Mason's obviously pretty inspired by his father. That's right. And he's obviously... Setting a good example. Yeah, he's a bloody good athlete, but also a pretty good role model as a parent. And I imagine he's probably got his kid involved in his sport, and Mm -hmm. so Mason's, you know, obviously loving that, but... You know, you know, we often get people sending through their family members just because they want to share a bit of love. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've actually got to deserve the age group of the week. That's and one right. thing about Scott is to win his number one age group in his slot in the series in the US is great. To also get a second in your age group is great. The Beach to Battleship would be a pretty cool race. We've looked, I've looked at that website a couple of times and we've, we've mentioned that race and it looks, looks pretty cool. I was actually talking to someone at a party last night. Now, who was it? Um, Partying on a Monday night. Well, no, eh? I got my share club. We have a share club meeting, nice. and so we had my share club. We're doing really good. We're up thirty percent this year, so nice. it's pretty good. But um, in my share club meeting, and uh, talking about her daughter was doing a race, and oh, Graham, it was Graham, yeah. And basically, what they do is they have like one of those old ships, the, the river boats with the yeah. big wheels. What are they called? Uh, steamers something like that steamboat yeah. yeah and you basically got to, everyone's got to race the steamboat nice. because they look really slow so it's a running race yeah, you've got to yeah, run yeah, along yeah. the river against the steamboat and only about two people can beat it but nice yeah, I like that idea anyway. so anyway nice work and nice nomination Mason so Scott Boyles you are our age, age group of the week. week love your work okay let's put some more music on do you reckon you could beat the steamboat yep I'll take it you reckon take the steamboat any day they're talking about a hick 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 triathlon or a sixth of an Ironman. And they have a lot of them in Australia. Apparently they're huge over there. And I think it's really? an idea we need to think about in Christchurch, Sean. And you're a triathlon club guy. So racing a steamboat. No, no, no. Oh, well, if you could arrange a steamboat, that would be pretty <laughs> cool. No, but like, so the distance, it's a sixth of an Ironman. So they do about a 700 metre swim. Oh, what's that? A six, it'd be a 30k bike ride. And then they must end up doing about 7k run. I like that distance. Yeah, yeah, for, especially females, eh? Because you have those really short ones, mm-hmm. but then they're afraid of the Olympic size, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
You don't necessarily give me much love here, are you? <laughs> You're over it. Sprint distance, go sprint, then Olympic. But there was a... Yeah, carry on. No, no, go. Um, that was a distance that was at the Ashburton Half Ironman. It was a good distance. It was. Uh, oh, did they have that, did they? Not this year, but they, they did different things this year. But the year before, they had a 750 swim. Or was a yeah, 750 swim. And did it work? 30k bike, 7k run. It was good. Well, I just think that you, what the problem is, is then you go to these women's triathlons in Christchurch, and there's mm. thousands of chicks, you know, mm. look at... You know, over the season, they probably get four or five thousand chicks trying to race out. You go to the Olympic champs; yeah. no one's there. Yeah. You know, well, how many do you get? Yeah, not not about a hundred or so. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, I don't not, think it's a distance. So, I just think it's the whole vibe around it. You know, they're in a comfortable environment and they're women's only race. Yeah, but I do think that a lot of people are scared off, especially because of the swim. Mm, you know, yeah. they're scared off that fifteen hundred meter swim. But if you could have that six or seven hundred meter race, yeah. they could build towards that over a season and then you know another season. You know, maybe John Newsom five-year plan. There's business opportunity there for you, Bill. Well, that'll be my next race team, I tell you. <laughs> Righto, uh, let's put some music on. We should have had that music on for the uh, discussion of the week, because that's the music you have when you're picking up a chance. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Peter Kusick on the show, and he did a uh, decommand about three weeks ago, and uh, we'll just chuck the interview on right now. Right, guys, so on the show today we have an interview with a man called Peter Cusick and a few weeks ago on the show we actually mentioned the Deacon Man and we saw his name was on the list and asked the listeners or you guys to see if we can get an interview with him and somebody managed to get to him or maybe he listened or I'm not sure what happened but basically you're here right now and uh, welcome along Peter. Thank you very much. So I, I suppose when where to start, what made first of all want to do Deacon Man? Well, um, it was uh, a natural progression, really, um, from Ironman to to a double. Um, and then I, when I finished the double, I thought, well, that wasn't quite as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, and then I did a, a triple out in Germany, and that definitely was as hard as I expected. But for some reason, when I started uh, going back to, to doing local races, um, obviously there just wasn't the sort of buzz there, and uh, the Decker was there. Um, it gnawed away at me, and before before I knew it, I was sorting out the, the logistics, and um, uh, away I went. I mean, it, I think overall it was the challenge of it. That's 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 the key issue. So you're saying that when you went to double to the triple, that it didn't necessarily, or from the single to a double, didn't really challenge you. Why? Why do you think that was the case? Um, I, I, at the time, obviously, it doesn't feel like that because you know you're putting in. Uh, everything you can. Um, I think that you you feel like when you do when you finish a triple, you expect to be, you know, on your hands and knees, yep. you know, crawling over the line. And when and when you're when you're not like that, you sort of feel okay. I mean, I, I could uh, perhaps um, been a bit more ambitious and shaved off a little bit of time, but but overall, I was satisfied with my performance. Yeah. And so you begin to think, well, I wonder what it's like um, to go a bit longer, and I wonder what it feels like. And so that's um, that, that's how it happened. It, you know, it, I just sort of um, I saw it. I wanted to do it. it, it as I said, um, uh, it, it sort of gnawed away at me. And in the end, I thought, no, I've, I've got to do it. Um, and it, the, the the triple was certainly I, I found much harder than the the double. Um, but most of the, most of the time that I was doing the the triple out in Germany, I, I thought to myself, this is just this is just an evil race. This is just absolutely 
wiping me out. Yeah. And, um, I mean, for example, on, on the Decker, I, I ran virtually all of the Decker, um, but on the triple, and I was at 10 times one, but on the, on the triple, there was a stage about uh, getting towards the end of the second marathon where I'd run the first marathon at about 4.20, and I, I, ran the, I was running the second one in, in about sort of 4.45, and, it, and it, I just ran out of gas in a massive, massive way. And I remember in the triple just walking along with my head in my hands thinking, this is, this is the worst I've ever felt, wow. and I'm never, ever, ever doing anything like this ever, ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, but but you get you know you have some, you have a bit of food and you you find you know uh, a second wind or in, you know in that case it was several uh, down the line from from that so yeah and you, you know you get going again and you just think I've just got to finish this race it's just one foot in front of the other and when when you finish you know you have that feeling of you know exhilaration and you and I remember walking around after the triple saying there's just no way I'm doing anything like that ever again that's it I've I've done it I experienced it it's yep. great but but I'm not doing it again and then um I think it was on the flight on the way home I started talking to my wife about the decker <laughs> so it didn't take very long for me to start thinking I wonder what that feels like and um it, you know it seemed a, a good opportunity to the decker it was 10 times one this year um I felt that would be you know, a good opportunity to go out and, and, and see what it was all about, and to to, to find the uh, find out the conditions. I've, I've never really participated in very hot conditions conditions like that before. Um, so, so that's that's how I ended up doing it. So, you know, you've done your three. <clears throat> you've you know, you've kind of gone to hell, <laughs> but you've kind of been motivated through that experience to go through to Dika. When you decided to do Dika, did you? Like, how'd you go about approaching it? Because it's such a different beast. Like, a, a triple is pretty tough in itself, but to then go to do 10, you know, did you get advice, or was it kind of not much advice out there? Like, how did you approach it? Um, yeah, it was actually it was very difficult to, to get to get advice for that. Um, the, the the way I approached it, uh, actually, was um, the, you know, it really goes back to the summer of, 2008 when I did when I did the double and, and I thought I was training really hard for that in retrospect I wasn't training very hard at all um, I was only doing about sort of know, 10 or 12 hours you know a week for that and yeah. um, th- then I started doing as I said local running races and I was doing quite well in that but it just was not floating my boat at all um, and then I, I you know and people kept talking to me about this this, this race the triple out in Germany and that the whole town gets right behind it and so I, d- I decided to do it and I I then um, embarked upon a very long training period and I mean I love racing and I had to put that completely to one side and my plan to um, enter the, the triple and this is this impacts upon the Decker was to, to go into it um, very heavily trained but lightly raced which is c- completely contrary to anything I've done before yeah. and um, I set out I looked at various um, options um, and I looked at books like The Law of Running by Noakes and, and, I, and he talks about Mark Allen's plans about you know build, building a, uh, a base and then moving on to that and, and then peaking and then tapering. And I basically used a very, very long version of that. So I was building a base for something like three months, which was an absolute trial of my patience, but I managed to do it. Um, and then, as a reward for that, during the build stage, I, I entered a couple of races, but, but, but managed to sort of um, pace myself through those. 
and then um, obviously that I then peaked during the summer, which is great for, for training in this country. Yeah. And I did. Um, I was doing 20 hours a week then. Then I did the triple. Then I had uh, almost a month off, which I was panicking about because I, I decided to do the triple, as I said, very quickly after doing. Sorry, I decided to do the decker very quickly after I did the triple. So I was panicking a little bit about that, whether or not I would recover in time. But I spoke to a couple of people who had done um, both the same triple and the decker, like like Dave Clamp from, from England. Yep. And he, he, he said to me, look, it's no problem, you'll, you'll be fine. And so that gave me a lot of confidence that, that I had time. And so um, once I was ready to do so, I, I um, basically went through the same plan again, but it was obviously the time period was much shorter. So I went, I went through another sort of base stage, you know, from absolute recovery um, from the triple, I went through a base stage. Um, and then a build and then a peak and when I was um, on the peak stage um, I was doing uh, every sort of third week I was doing a, a big big week of around 30 hours yep. so um, and that took a hell of a lot of doing because obviously I've got a full-time job as well yeah, I can imagine. Um, really yeah and um, but but you know a lot of it is is just you know having you know things to do places to go so um so for example my parents um, i don't see them very often they live about 200 miles away so I, I cycled up there um one weekend um and then um you know i'd have i i have friends that lived about you know 150 miles away were perfect i'd just yeah. go go and see them um sometimes stay overnight cycle back you know just 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 basically just get the hours in because uh, I knew that um, you know what goes in sort of uh, one end of the sausage machine comes out the other, and and that was hours. I had to get hours on the clock. Um, I had to put aside um, running fast. I had to put aside even cycling fast because anything like that, you know, on top of a very big train load like that, was a recipe for an injury. So I had to put put all that aside. And in fact, um, I nearly I nearly messed up the um, the triple by. Uh, in the taper um, the weekend before going out on my time trial bike and just doing two hours at about 20 miles an hour and um, I felt absolutely easy and when I came back the next morning I woke up and my facet joint was completely locked oh, really? so um, that was a major panic and I went to see the osteopath and he uh, he got it all uh, unclicked but I, I learned a lesson from that so when I was tapering down for the decker I took it really really easily I didn't um, I didn't I hardly do anything at all in the last week so, so now you're before the race, you're obviously feeling pretty fit. Uh, tell us about like your week leading up to the race or, or a few days before the race. You know, like Is it similar to what you do in an Ironman or you do things completely different? Obviously, there's a lot more planning involved. Yeah, um, it's, there's a lot more. Um, as soon as you get to within sort of two weeks, um, I actually like to have a, I, I a three-week taper. So uh, with about three weeks to go, I dropped down to about 15 hours, and then with two weeks to go, I dropped down to about seven. And then with one week to go, um, I did probably about an hour's bike, and that was it. I finished. Yeah. Uh, I drew, drew a line, and the rest of the week was taken up with... Um, I worked um, right up until almost the, the last minute uh, I could fly out, and um, my wife was really, really good with all the logistics, and there's a, there's a huge amount of logistics to, you know, not not just in terms of carrying kit, but the, um, the the governing body, the International Ultra Triathlon Association (IUTA), have quite strict rules, obviously about um, you know blood tests have to yeah. be X number of certain number of days before you go out. 
and um, so it's, you've got to organise that. And, and you know, and, and if you ring up the doctor's surgery and ask you, you know, I want to collect the blood blood results, as happened with me this time, they said, well, uh, there's a postal strike. You know, you're absolutely panicking because yeah. you know you're flying out the next day and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's the stress levels. You just don't need stress, but all you get is stress because and, and you're, you're also you're so fatigued that you know obviously you can yeah. get stressed easy as well, don't you? And we, we had, I had four suitcases, um, you know, the bike bag. Uh, will the suitcases be over limit? Will the, will the plane, you know, be on yeah. time? Will, will will my luggage get there uh, on time? So you're not in your yeah. happy place. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's all part of um, it's all part of the rigmarole, and um, you need to be you need to keep as chilled as possible. But on the other hand, there's just so much going on, um, and it's just such a relief when the event actually starts and you've got everything. You know, because <laughs> I kept thinking I'm bound to forget something, but I had lots and lots of lists, and um, I made sure that I, I got everything. But it, it was great to get there, and it was not, it was really nice and sunny, which which is always nice break from this country's weather, and um, you know, meet all the other competitors, and it was a fantastic opening ceremony. Um, it was great. It was good. So going into the race, what was your strategy? You know, it's different to doing an Ironman. You know, you, you're obviously going to be doing it for ten days in a row. Do you have an overall strategy, or do you just kind of take it easy and see how it goes, or what we could? Yeah, my, my my strategy was um, well, my overriding strategy was to to finish the race in the fastest possible time I could without endangering the finish. Okay. So, um, uh, and and that's quite important because it, when I realised that, which was about a, a week before, you know, when I'm trying, you know, mentally getting really prepared for it, I realised, okay, I'm not going just to finish. And that, that's a very important thing because it, it alters the way in which you, you, you approach the whole thing. Um, and then my secondary uh, idea was that I thought that it, on a sympathetic course, um, on an Ironman synthetic core, I think I could do roughly around 10.30 at the moment on a good day. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, if I really ought to aim for about 12.30 for the first three days um, and then see where I am, see how it feels, see where I am in the field, um, and, to, and just take it from there. So the first day, I went out and I did a really easy swim, 118, um, which is only three minutes slower than my PB. Yep. And then I started cycling, and I, and I was going, like, really slow. I mean, yep. everybody yep. was going completely nuts. Um, there was a guy there from Switzerland who um, was doing, uh, he, he did a sub-five-hour bike. Oh, really? And he was going. He was lapping me every. I mean, the, the course was about a mile and a mile and a half, or mile, 1.2 miles, and he was lapping me all the time. And I just, I just thought, this is just mad. You know, I'm doing a sub six hour bike, and they are, they are absolutely time trial, aero helmet, um, disc wheels, absolutely nailing it. Wow. And um, it's very unfortunate actually because the guy from Switzerland, Viat. Um, you know, the, the 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 course had a couple of lakes on it, and these ducks would just come out of the lake and just wander across the road. And he hit one, and he came off and uh, broke his um, collarbone. Oh. Um, and, and that was on his last lap. <laughs> so he only had you know a couple of hundred meters to go, and he'd have been off the bike um, when when that happened. And I, 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 he was looking really lean and fit. So I, I think he was he was looking to be very competitive. So that was a great shame for him. Um, but anyway, I, so I did that, and I got off the bike, and I, and I jogged round in about 
350, 357, something like that. And I, when I finished that day, I finished 11.29, I thought, that's fine. I will go out and I'll do exactly the same tomorrow. I had absolutely no doubt at all. I didn't feel the size You, you felt that was that achievable, I, yep. Yeah, I didn't feel that I'd gone too fast. I felt absolutely fine. I'd used my heart rate monitor and I'd used my heart rate that I'd set up for the triple. Um, and I felt fine. And um, that night was really weird because I didn't sleep a wink. And that's... You know, most people, if they say they had a bad night's sleep, they they actually mean that they, you know, nod off and on. But I actually had no sleep at all. Oh, wow. And, um, I was, you know, my eyes were just completely wide open the whole night. And um, it was just shocking. And when I when I got there the next day, I spoke to a couple of the, the guys who were older hands at this. And they said to me, oh, right, well, did you, um, did you choke down on your, you know, your caffeine gels and all that kind of thing as you went towards the end of the day? And I said, no, I didn't. And they said, oh, yeah, well, we do. <laughs> but no one had told me that. So basically, I, well, I, you know, imagine, you know, going to bed having drunk loads of coffee. And, yeah. And you know, you just all this, you've got all this sugar, all this adrenaline, you know, uh, all this caffeine in your system. And two hours later, you're lying in bed saying, "I want to get. I got. I need to get to sleep. I need yeah. to get to sleep." Yep. Uh, it's it's completely hopeless. Um, so I went. I went the next day. I went back the next day, and I was just you know with no sleep at all. Um, and as a consequence of that, I did 13 hours dead. Um, and I, I felt then, you know, that's okay. I can I can definitely do this again. But that night, I, I hardly had any sleep again. And um, I think that was the day I went and you know started off really badly i felt just like a zombie i had no no energy at all i was completely drained i did i think that was the day i did 127 for the swim and it wasn't like i was stopping and starting i was just completely not going fast, not going fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know it was like it was like uh, the, the, the swimming equipment running through treacle i just had no energy at all and um so, so over, it, it, over the next few days did you, did you get to sleep at all eventually, or did the sleep just become an ongoing problem? No, I, it, it got better and better every day. I got, um, but of course, I started then drifting into the sort of late 13s, early 14s, and even one day I did 15.07. Okay. So I was getting back to the hotel later and later and later. Oh, of course. I think one, well, I think one, one day we got back about ooh, gone one o'clock, and I, I had to be up at six. But But by then your body sort of gets used to it and also um we were much more um refined about we knew what we were doing basically and you know we were leaving stuff at the hq so we weren't lugging so much stuff backwards and forwards yeah. and um we were sticking the washing through the hotel laundry um which actually cost us 140 pounds for the week but um nice. anyway but um, we, you know, but we sort of like we were, you know, we were shaving off, um, you know, minutes here, there, and everywhere, and so it ended up that you know I could just sort of crash into bed, and um, you know I was sleeping almost, you know, I, I think one night I had about five hours sleep, so it definitely got better as, as we went along. So, so mentally, you know, you look at the race, and you've, it's obviously a ten-day thing, and, and often when you get close to the end, it's almost a little bit easier because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel when were the hardest periods of time throughout the whole 10 days um the, the actual hardest period which is a- absolutely incredible because there were lots and lots of things that happened to me that i'm sure most people would say well that had to be the hardest that had to be the worst bit yep. the actual worst bit was on day nine and i was on the bike and i had quite a, a 
good lead over the guy in fourth place, Wayne from America. Yeah. And um, I had lots of issues. I had this huge lump in my left Achilles. I've never had an Achilles problem in my life, but I had this huge lump in my Achilles. My right calf was feeling very, very congested, and I was having that massaged um, every couple of hours. And I just thought to myself, um, after about an hour into the bike, I thought, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm on for about a 7.30 bike or something. Um, and I just need to keep plodding on like this. And it suddenly hit me that I had another six hours or something, six, maybe six and a half hours yeah. of just going around that track at, at a speed which was probably about 40% of my heart rate, you know. Uh, and I just, it just suddenly occurred to me, the word boredom hit me. Really? And that was the first time that I'd felt bored in the whole thing. Before that, I'd always been really engaged and focused. And Which is really interesting because day nine, like it's interesting when John and I talk about it, often we talk about how boring my race must be because you're just going around in loops. But, you know, I took you to day nine to get there. So I find that quite fascinating. Yeah, the other thing about the track is though, that it's very, um, it, 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 it was fantastic. It was much better than I anticipated okay. because although it was only about a mile and a <laughs> mile and a quarter, um, there was... It, 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 it was there was always something going on and it seemed you know you sort of went about 100 yards and you were out of sight of where you were before yep. then you sort of went around a corner um, and there was uh, some facilities there that had been uh, there for junior olympics and so there was always people coming in and out um, and then you'd go around another corner and there'd be the first of the lakes and there'd be people you know exercising down there and then you'd go around and you'd actually go over a little bridge and as you look down to the left you'd see this huge velodrome open air velodrome and people would be cycling around there oh cool so it hits stuff to be interested in yeah and you'd look up and see and see the mountains the mountains were sort of like rocky shapes you know they were just the, you know they looked like rockies to me yeah and you'd so so although it was only a mile there was always something happening. There's always something going on. There was, there was always. You were always thinking about what is it? What were you? What was I going to ask my wife Angela for in terms of food and drink next time I went? Next time I saw her, or when it was a hot day, I had ice cold water which I just poured over my head and down the back of my neck, over my legs, over my over my uh, arms. So, there was, and I was also always thinking, you know, what time was that lap? Am I getting slower? Am I getting faster? Am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? Um, where are my competitors? Because um, there was a bit on the course where you could look left and see, you know, people, and you'd think, right, well, they're catching me up. I need to go. But so there was, it was always that. So it was only when I got to day nine when I thought, God, this is boring, and I've got another six hours of this. So how'd you get through that? Um, I just you just do. Yeah. I mean, you've got no choice, have you? I mean, you're not going to get off the bike and say, "Well, no, I'm, I'm a bit bored now." You just you just have to. But but I actually noticed that my um, physical performance really dropped. Um, you know, when I lost focus and just went, you know, plodding around. Um, you, you know, my my average speed dipped. You know, I just dropped two miles an hour just because just I wasn't really focused on, really? on what wow. I was doing. Um, and then I mean, actually, were you, like I'm, I'm sure you're aware of that was happening. So, were you trying to bring it back around and you just couldn't? Um, the, the problem was that um, I didn't want to endanger the result I had, and because I had so many physical issues. Um, so, for example, there was a couple of times I thought, right, this is no good. I've got to pick up the pace. And you'd slowly increase it, and you'd get a spasm somewhere, or your Achilles would 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 hurt. So you'd 
immediately think, uh, actually, this whole thing is on a knife edge. Yeah. And if if I if I just push just one percent too hard, I could be, be in a big problem. Yeah. And actually, uh, and there were reminders of that all around the course. The, the guy who came third, the the Spanish guy on day nine, uh, felt that he had a chance to win. I think the day, yeah. and started running quite fast. And the next time I saw him, he was in the medical tent uh, with huge bags of ice. He was lying on his back. Um, something had gone in his shin, um, and he had to. I mean, he took 19 hours for day three, and this is a guy who's wow. a sub-10 sort of guy. So, uh, uh, and there was the Swede Gregor, who was hobbling around the whole time. So there are always reminders all around you, actually, if you just push it too much, that's what you'll end up like. Yep, huge risk. And uh, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to embark upon, I mean, I ran, I wanted to run, I didn't want to end up in a, some sort of death march. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was always in my mind, just, just, you know, pace yourself. So, so day ten, you get to the end. What was it like? Great. <laughs> really, really unbelievable. It was a relief. Yeah, it was really? great. Oh, I was really, really good. I mean, obviously, you, your sense of anticipation is just enormous, and it grows, and it and you. So was, um, was the final day a good day? Like down. mentally, was it a cool day? Because you kind of know it's your last day. Um, yeah, I, I started off. Um, uh, uh, a little bit overexcited, and I pushed the swim, and, and I felt something go in one of my shoulders, and I thought, well, right, that's 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 a sign that you know, you know, you've I've swum whatever it is, you know, thirty-five thousand kilometres, and it's, you know that's not a good not a good idea to to try and break your PB today. So so I backed off, um, and I kept the the bike pretty evenly paced, but everybody was sort of in that place. Everyone was very chatty. Everybody was in a good mood. Um, and and then you start the run, and once you get to about 10 miles to go, you're just counting down each lap, and it just gets easier and easier and easier and easier because you just start thinking, well, if anything goes wrong now, I could walk on my hands and knees if yeah. necessary. Yeah, you're make it. Uh, yeah. And, then, and then you start seeing other people finish, um, and they make a big fuss about everybody, and you, you're thinking, this is just great, and tomorrow morning I'm just going to have a great lie-in. And... Um, and then eventually, you know, you the, every time you you went over the map, your penultimate lap, there was like a, an alarm bell yep. that rang, and that was the sweetest noise you could possibly ever hear, because <laughs> it it was just it was just fantastic. You know, you just had one more lap of whatever it was. You know, the eyes of the swim or the bike or whatever. Yep. And when it went off the last time, it was just fantastic. And um, I just really, really enjoyed that that last lap, and I came in, grabbed the flag, and uh, they played some music, and um, came over the line, and my wife had gone and bought some champagne, and you know everything, everything just kicked off, you know, and then all the other athletes come, and you know they, everyone, you know, it's just a very emotional sort of moment. Yeah, I can imagine. Hey, um, body afterwards? How's your body been since completing it? Um, it, yeah, it was good. I was quite amazed actually. Um, it was, it was. Uh, in fact, the only problem. Um, I mean, it took the Achilles took about two weeks to settle down, and, and when I came back, um, I had a massage, and um, there was a lot of heat coming off it from that. But I just did, you know, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold all the time, and um, so that took about two weeks to sort out. And um, the, the the real problem I've had is that after about uh, two weeks, I felt absolutely great, and I, and I went to my running club. And I went into my into the fast group and ran about two 
that well, about one and a half miles of sub six minute mile pace, and then just like almost collapsed. Um, and then the next day woke up with quite a nasty ITB flare up. So um, so basically, the, the the biggest hurdle to my recovery is entirely self inflicted, which is that. Uh, I tried to come back too soon, which is what I did in the triple. Actually, I, I should have known. But um, yep. there's a great there's a great discrepancy between how you feel, which is you feel like it's two weeks now since I since I did the Deca. I'm feeling really strong. I'm totally recovered. Yeah, it's time to it's Keep time to you know yeah. yeah get stuck into this. And I was even thinking about racing a 5k. You know the next the week after. Yeah, <laughs> and but that was all blown apart. Yeah. Uh, one other question I have is. Um, Mentally, you know, obviously the focus and determination and, and the high that comes with doing an event like this, has it been a bit of a downer now that it's over? No, um, and I think the really important thing about that was that even before I went out, I'd entered um, the my next little challenge, which is the Grand Union Canal Race. Okay. And that's a 145-mile run. Yeah, um, and it's from Birmingham to London in the UK, and it's and I've never done any. The longest run I've done is the one at the end of the triple, um, which is seventy-eight miles. And so I've never. I mean, running is my strong point, so it's a, it's a natural thing to do. And I, so I had that to look forward to. So as soon as I got back, I was you know drawing up plans and identifying um, training programs and what I was yep. going to do. And so I had another focus straight yep. straight away. Um, so there wasn't there wasn't that feeling of um, you know directionless. Great, there wasn't that sort of feeling. And also, I, you know, I, I did my race report and um, uh, I put that on Endurance UK and Try Talk and a lot a lot of really positive feedback from that. And it just keeps you buoyed. And um, so no, but I, but the key to it, I think, was the. Uh, having something else to aim for straight away. Yeah, totally. Um, it, recommend it? Would you highly recommend it to people, or is it, is it type a certain type of person? Uh, I, I honestly feel that um, most people don't realise um, what they're capable of, yeah. and um, I don't think it's elitist in any way. I'd certainly, I mean, I would say, you know, virtually yeah, anyone who can do an Ironman can do a double, yeah. and, but, you know, why not try it? and it may or may not um, be something that you then want to do. It quite clearly isn't something that everybody would want to do, but yeah. unless you try it, you won't know. Um, and if you look at the, the success of things like the 100 milers in the States, I mean, they're all sold out, um, and that is a boom, boom thing in, in, in the States at the moment. So, you know, there is something in it, um, and until you do it, you won't know. Mm, mm. Well, uh, well done in your race, mate. It's, it's an awesome, you know, experience. Something you obviously take with you for the rest of your life. And uh, will you do it again? <clears throat> I won't do the the ten times one again um, because uh, my my history is that if I if I do a race and then I think right, well, I'll try and do that faster. For some reason, I just start lacking motivation in training. It just uh, doesn't okay. seem to to do. I mean, so you I, need to find uh, the new challenge. Yeah, I mean, the, the, they, it's every other year they do, you know, the, one year it's 10 times one, and then uh, in 2010 it will be the, the original format. So all of the swim, all of the bike, and all of the run. So, so when they so, do it that way, do they do it like, is it like, because obviously 10 times one, it's 10 days. Is that one you yeah. just got to get it done in as fast as you can? Uh, it's 14 days. Oh. Um, the, the sort of general consensus is that 
if you're if you're just looking to finish, it's much easier than the event that I did. Yep. Because obviously you've got, got 14 days to do it as yep. opposed to 10. You can take as much rest as you like whenever you want. Yep. But if you're racing it and trying to get it as, as quickly as you possibly can, then it's worse. Yeah. Because um, what, although what, kind of, what kind of time do those guys do? Like if the guy who wins that, that version, how fast do they do it over? Uh, the world record's 192 hours. Um, most winners do it sort of eight days and a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, uh, and obviously they've got to sleep during all of that but I think the, the, the big issue about that is the overuse of the muscles so doing the that, same thing yeah yeah doing the same thing so yeah. doing you know doing a 260 mile run is, is very different from doing doing a marathon every time. day yeah 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 totally hey, well, um, well sorry was it I said it interests me yeah well you're it's a, a possibility <laughs> <laughs> but we love that about you. Hey, thanks for coming on the show today. I'm sure listeners love hearing about your race. And, uh, you know, it's such an amazing achievement. And uh, we look forward to kind of seeing your future and maybe seeing you again at this race doing the different version of it. Okay. Cool. All right, thanks for having me on. That's fantastic. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Questions and answers. There aren't any really, but I have a couple of comments. Okay. Oh, I don't think you put any No, in. I don't think I did either. Um, Scroll. Yep. But uh, last week, two couple of weeks ago, we got the question about the polar on the Mac. And then last week I said, well, no one's really come back. But then this week, quite a few people came through. Tom Hibbard, uh, Michael Beaumont came through. And they said, there's a program called iSmartTrain.com, which basically works for a Mac, but also works for other devices as well. So it works for your Garmin and all types of devices, not just your Polar. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's a really, really great program. So if you are looking at that, that's one alternative. But then Ed Hawkins sent through another option, which I didn't think about, which is Parallels Desktop. And Parallels is a program that basically... It's like a normal program on your Mac desktop, but opens Windows programs. Because on a window on a Mac, you can actually have Windows OS on your Mac nowadays. Right. So it kind of works as a kind of go-between. So you could use that as an alternative. So if you are thinking about using Polar, I still think they need to sharpen up, but there are alternatives out there. There we go. Okay. Nice community work there. We like yeah, it. We like that. Okay, John. Athlinks.com. Oh, sponsors. Sponsors, Athlinks.com. Okay. <clears throat> I pull them up. Here pull we go, right up. there. There we go. If you want to comment on our, our all our multi-layered hot topic of the week this week, you know one thing I reckon you could do when you're on Athlinks is go oh, on and put your goals for next year on there. Put them out there. Yeah. Put them out yeah. there. What, what are you? What's your aim for your races next year? What are your key races? Your ABC yep. races. Map out your year at the beginning of the year, and then you've got that plan when you're periodizing your training and all that kind of stuff. And then throughout the year, you can actually sit back and go, okay, well, what am I doing? When am I doing it? And just have that kind of commitment that comes with writing things down, That's eh? That's right. Sometimes it's scary to put those goals out there. It is indeed. And love on Athlinks. Action Spy, what's this, John? Action Spy, that's when you can spy on all your uh, your mates, isn't it? Is it? I'm not quite sure. Oh, okay, well, there we go. So if you want to anyway, spy on all your mates. Basically, if you've got any results that you haven't claimed during the season, um, get up there, make sure they're up there. The way Athlinks works is if you've got the more results I've got up there, the better. And, uh, and as I always say, if you keep all your results in one place, it's a great tool to go back and keep checking in. Well, good old Kevin Crossender. I've gone to the action page, and he's doing a 100, 100 challenge coming up. I wish I knew what that was. 100 times 100. What do you reckon that be? Could you do 100 days of 100 k's bike riding? You could do, or you could do 100 metres swimming for 100 days. That would be a relatively easy challenge. Mm. Anyway, okay. So athlinks.com, check it out. Good old Kevin's on there, and he's going to do 100 over 100. 
whatever that means. Next up, we have Coffees of Hawaii. 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 You're you? tired today, hey, John. You're not, you're, what's wrong, John? I'm not with it. I didn't. I didn't get my interview fixed this morning. It's, it's late in the afternoon. You're just not there. You're, you know, normally we work with each other. You know, I'll chuck someone out there, feeds me back. Today I feed him, and he just looks at me. He's got this vague look in his eyes. Is it's it? the end of the year. Oh. Free FedEx two day <laughs> free FedEx two day shipping. Spend a hundred dollars and FedEx two day shipping is free for all US Canadian deliveries. Other countries will ship free via USPS. Enter the promo code free ship at the checkout. Also, one thing that we talked about with well, the, the add on the show last week, but they started adding tea, so it's not just coffees of Hawaii, it's coffee tea Hawaii. That's right. <laughs> and yeah, and they've got a new creation there. And if you actually want to find out more about that and you know teas are well, have you tried different teas? It's a trendy thing to do. It is. It's kind of like the new mm-hmm. black, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You can get some lavender tea, some lemongrass. Lemongrass is good. I like it? Yeah. Blend has but lemongrass. Yeah, I do like lemongrass. Can you smell what I have in here? I'm having tea right now. Mm, that, that smells so good. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having cinnamon apple. That's the one Blind has. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, coffees of why? Get on there. Shipping deals are plenty on there. They've actually got brewing recommendations as well, so you want to check that out. Because of why, again, free shipping. We love them. You love them. Just do it. Lastly, John, can you remember who last month was? Since you're a bit tired. Uh, Trybuys.com. Oh, he's, he's delivering again. Uh, can we? Sp- I just want. Oh yeah, we can still spin the crank. <laughs> I reckon it's, it's going to be one of those ones that goes forever, ever, ever. Cool. But there's a clearance sale on. There's basically everything you need up at Trybuys.com. What the store locator is. Do you think they're in stores? No, they must have an actual store. That's pretty interesting. Okay, then. well, <laughs> one thing you want to look at, babe, because the people in America are probably heading into their winter, and you want to do a bit of training, but you want to do something a little bit different, maybe some cross-training. And what tri-buys have is they have all your off-road gear. So if you want to get into some off-road mountain biking and just stuff like that, you can check out their off-road page for things like accessories, bikes, apparel. For example, they've got an exterior top on here that's only 70 bucks. It's really nice. Um, just remember if you go either clicking on off-road run bike or swim if you're in there there's always down the bottom there the off-road sale items or the swim sale items the bike sale items or the run sale items you buy a really good camelback which is obviously a bit more convenient when you're doing off-road stuff because you've got more gear to carry so off-road sales on sale items is a page as well so good time oh out of try nice they got the Trois Sports 1920 in there Oh, good times. Okay, so... Trybuys.com. Get on there for the deals. John, what are our sponsors? Athlinks.com. You're making me tired now. I know. I'm getting tired. I'm I, just, I just got this... Like, I'm, dra- oh, I'm draining you. You're draining, draining you, John. You're bringing me down. Athlinks.com. Check it out so you can find out. You can be an action spy as well. Coffeesofwhy.com. Come on. <laughs> Check out the latest tea. Also, the shipping. Remember, if you're in the US, FedEx, two day free shipping for any order over $100. And trybuys.com. And remember, off road season, go on there, check out their gear for the off road stuff. But also, always check out their sale items because they've got lots of them and they're bloody great. Good. Okay, John. Iron Russ. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think you're going to be screwed on Epic Cap because I think the training is killing you based on what I'm seeing right now. I was, I was a little challenged. A couple of, we we ride up to Hamnoch at hundred and apparently apparently word on the street is John swore at people. Yes, word is correct. And it wasn't just you know the bloody word. <laughs> it rhymed with truck. <laughs> There's some slightly non-easy riding going on when it was supposed to be an easy ride. So uh, yes, did a little bit of training. Got my little couple of preparation rides in for Epic Camp. I'm good to go. Really good to go. <laughs> you look optimistic about it all. Yep. What else you been up to then? 
Uh, that was a, that was sort of five days last week of uh, was it a five day camp? Mm, but three days in Christchurch. Oh. Two days in Christchurch and one day commuting up. Day up in Hamner, day commuting back. I was talking to a girl called Penny last night. That's my share cup meeting. Yes. It's me and all the old dudes too. Right. Love it. Yeah. But at the share cup meeting and Penny, she's you may know her. She's a local triathlete mm-hmm. and she Andrew Abercan's her coach. Yep. And but she gets heaps of shim spins. Yeah. She's had them for like two years. A lot of shim spins going on. Yeah. And she's like Maybe I'll just give up for a while. What do you recommend in that situation as a coach? Uh, I mean, shin splints are caused by a number of things. Probably the first thing to do is get some video analysis of your running um, to see if you're overstriding, and uh, that's the first course of action. And looking at your footwear uh, is, is another one. Prototherapy works for some people, which we yep. have in Christchurch, which is, is injections. Glucose, yep. um, but I generally say looking at your stride length and where your feet are landing is probably the first one. And something that I'm introducing to most athletes that I work in that is a little bit of barefoot work, but you've got to really be careful how you bring that in on the grass. Speaking of which, how are those shoes going? Going good. Have you got them on now? No, I haven't no. got them on right now. Are you wearing them much? Uh, no, I wear bare feet all the time, and I'm not doing enough running now. to. When I do get into a good, consistent run block, I will be wearing them quite a bit. Okay. But I, do, I mean, you're better off going barefoot if you can, but if, if you're actually out running on the but tracks and stuff. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, no, not on the tracks, but if you want to run on the tracks, you need to wear them, but grass, yeah. barefoot. So, yeah, shin splints, look at your running stride, look at your, um, your gear. Your gear, and, uh, and also get a muscle imbalance test done because often it's like a weakness in your glute or something like that. And um, calf flexibility work, lots of calf stretching. Okay, John, so what do you got on for this week then? This week, busy week, trying to get on top of things. Going away on Tuesday, so I have to get everything organised. Got to get Epicam organised, got to get everybody's plans up to date. Have you done, have you done cool. your Christmas shopping? Christmas shopping's done, dusted, don't have to do anything. Belinda's very, very helpful in the Christmas shopping front. Really? Mm. Nice. She does it all. What do you got here? What do you got here? <laughs> uh, she won't listen. No, she, she ever listen? She, no, but, but she, she'll find out. She, she always finds out presents. So. This is your goal this year, John? Uh, Joe, need it. Yeah, well, she hasn't so far. Oh, nice. So Good. Keep it that way. What about you, Bev? We're going to the next level, Joe and I are. Oh, crikey. Yeah, because I went to a house last night, John. I, I stay there sometimes because that's what you do Just when you're occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, because we're adults and I'm allowed to hold mm-hmm. it in nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I walk around, she goes, check out the bottom drawer. And I'm thinking, oh, this could be a bit kinky. I was getting a little bit excited. Right. <laughs> but no. She's, she's made the, some space for you. I've got my own undies drawer. Oh, and she bought me undies and socks and some underarm. Nice. So, John. Is that a hint? Yeah, I think we're being kids soon. Yeah, you just, <laughs> all you're allowed to do when you're around here is wear underpants and underarms. Under, and some socks. And some socks. <laughs> and some it's always socks. a good look, socks and underwear. So it's going to the next level. That's pretty exciting. What did I do on the weekend? Work functions. Now, honestly, Joe's work had the best work function. They put us up at the Millennium for a night. Nice. So first of all, what they do is they take us out to some room beautiful food yeah. just kind of nibble food and then they bring along these dance instructors and we learnt salsa dancing apparently who was the best dancer in the room John Joe no me yeah. <laughs> well the boys at least that's a word on the street that's what all the girls are saying at least oh, I got sick of it <laughs> but, yeah. and then they took us out to dinner the flying burritos brother big meal yeah. hired some comedians come on to a show just for like 15-20 people yeah. awesome comedians Put us up in the Millennium Hotel, went back to the room that bought all this stuff for us, even bought a condom, loving that. Oh, and then yes. woke up in the morning, smorgasbord breakfast. Oh, smorgasbord breakfast is quality. Oh, you can eat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's quality, right? So, loving that. Les Mills have it, bit of a Barbie at the beach. <laughs> so, it's tough. That was tough it's at the top. Tough at the top. But would you rather, you know, think how much money they spent on that? Would you rather that in your pay packet or not? 
No, because I think she works for a conference company. I think they get it all free. Uh, I think the comedians they hire them out a lot, and I think the yeah. hotels. I think it was all free. Right. So, and you know what? Doing. I don't work there, so I wouldn't rather into my payback. <laughs> nice. But I was. It was pretty bloody great, I have to say. This week, what have I got on? Um, school holidays now. I'll tell you another work function story. Um, oh, here we go. I can't mention names here, but go on. Uh, so, uh, an acquaintance. Do I know um, them? The, no, she didn't actually go to the work function party, but she heard about it on the next day. Um, and one of the guys that works at where she works, partner was out, and she went pretty hard on the on the, the booze. They're quite a young couple. Free free alcohol. And Stupid the, the married, too, woke up the next morning. She's not there. Oh, she's no. moved back to Australia. She just didn't t- didn't come home that night. She went back home to Australia. She's an Australian. But but wait a second. Was that the end? It's the, it was like last weekend. Just went back to Australia. Hasn't heard from her. Just really. <laughs> Bizarre. Wow. That's gold, that is. <laughs> and he hasn't even heard from her. No. <laughs> wow. I think they have issues that we don't know about, yeah, just between you right. and me. Wow, that's that's gold. Uh, okay, well, next week's show, we're going to do a question and answer show, aren't we? Going to be a bit of a question and answer special. We've got quite a few questions to go through. So we're just going to make it the show. It's the end of the year, so maybe we'll do our best of the years and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last few weeks, over the holiday season, we'll do the best interviews of the year. So discussion of the week next week will be best interviews of the year. And then we'll put those on probably two weeks off. Probably, but we will basically once Epic Camp starts, we'll start rolling a few things up there. So it might be a bit infrequent during Epic Camp, but yep. I'll be trying. I'll have the old portable mic rolling. Hopefully have a bit of stuff going, and uh, nice. Bevan can do a couple of interviews to yep. keep, keep. I'll, I'll give you a Skype call. That's right. I'll, I'll bring you a TT bike out when you crush it. Go polish Just it hold up. It, polish it. <laughs> Good. Right. I'm Russ. I'm Mino. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.